0: So Sean and I were sleeping on the floor of a warehouse in in Dallas running this reactor. And I remember coming home one night and my wife, because I had just finished, like, my doctorate, and she's just like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Like, you could go and be, like, a doctor and make all this money, you know, solving cancer for patients. But, like you're here like running a PVC pipe, you know, <laughs> reactor. And I think like that's the moment it like really crystallizes for you. It's like it's all about like what's the impact you're gonna have in, in in the in the unit time that you're gonna be alive.
1: welcome back to another episode of who's saving the planet lex keyfaber here and i will be joined shortly by none other than tony noto and two fantastic human beings who are scientists one is a techno economist i kid you not and that person you heard at the top is g and g thank you for letting us borrow that quote It's really an amazing story about what these two gentlemen have built. The company is called Solugen. And what they do is really nothing short of miraculous. They take a product which sequesters carbon, corn, and they turn it into the chemicals that we need to use in order to make just about everything. This is the type of technology and business that can truly make a dent in Our Fight to reduce the amount of greenhouse gases that we release into the atmosphere When we talk about who's saving the planet these two fellows Sean and G and saw you Jen They're taking a real big swing in it. We're really proud to have them on the podcast today I'd be happy to tell you that they made it off of the floor in the warehouse and their company has been a booming success It's truly been on a meteoric rise. So stay tuned And this is our conversation with G and Sean, founders of Solugen. Here we go.
2: Sean and G, or should I say Dr. G? G's good. All right. G and Sean, welcome to the show. Welcome to Who's Saving the Planet. How are you guys doing today? Doing
0: well, Tony. Doing well. Yeah, thanks for having us.
2: Well, thank you for being here.
1: I can't wait to get into this because this, this is like, we get to nerd out on things that I do not understand and would love to learn more about. And Sean also just started juggling with some like batons that he has at his desk before we started recording. And it's always a good sign when people doing (laughs) deep tech are also like have the circus as a backup plan. (laughs) Is that your warm up sign? got kind of a plan B. I love it. Okay guys, um let's start let's start at the beginning here because we need to get a little bit educated around what exactly it is and what and what you do. So explain it to us as as you would a relatively intelligent eighth grader. What is solugen?
0: Yeah. Uh, and how is it
1: saving the planet also very important.
0: Uh, uh, even better questions. Great series of questions. So what is solugen? Solugen uh, we are taking carbon dioxide and converting it into the materials and chemicals that you interact with every day, like the plastic in in the seat that you're sitting with or the chemicals that are used to treat the water that I think you just drank. And so all of these things, uh, all these materials, chemicals that we we, we talk about every day are currently made with either natural grass or uh, oil. Uh, And so our fundamental mission is how do we take carbon dioxide and convert it either through biomass or directly into uh, the same materials that oil would make.
1: That sounds so incredibly simple and obvious. Let's not use petrochemicals. Let's use instead the thing that's causing the earth to overheat to make the things we use all the time. But I got to imagine there's, there's like a deeper story to this. So let me ask this. When you say all the chemicals that we use, are we really talking about the whole sort of undercurrent of the way that chemistry is used to make things in general or can you give any more specific examples about how you can substitute what currently is happening with what you are creating
3: yeah. yeah so i can i can talk to it about sort of what we're doing today and then kind of broaden that out into what we're working on towards the future so so in terms of what we're doing today i always like to start with how i explain what saw does to my mom Uh, and so very simply what I tell her is like our technology today is we take, uh, corn syrup. It could come from corn. It could come from cellulosic biomass, but we take essentially sugar and we can convert it with our technology into every water treatment chemical Hmm. erosion inhibitors, scale inhibitors and oxidizers all derived from sugar, uh, which no one else can do. Essentially the molecules that we compete out of the market today are essentially you know these really nasty molecules like phosphonates and a lot of these dialdehydes that are and like these really toxic amines that are all imported from China, whereas we can essentially manufacture uh, from corn syrup today. Mm-hmm.
1: And how does carbon dioxide get involved? Because gee, you, you were just talking about that.
0: The corn syrup, yeah. So we partner with the actual uh, wet mills to who take the carbon dioxide from the environment into corn mass biomass and then convert that into the sugar
1: so the carbon dioxide is being trapped in the form of corn that's being grown so that's how it's being extracted from the air and then you're taking that and using that corn to then create chemicals that substitute the chemicals that are currently being made by petrochemicals that were imported from china did i get that mostly correct
0: wow yeah that was a phenomenal yeah
1: very
2: good (laughs)
0: Snap! snaps to you mr lex
1: you know This is one of those things where it's like, you know, we often focus on consumer related things because they're easier to wrap our minds around, but this is the kind of stuff that's really going to push us towards a more sustainable future because it's so pervasive. And like it's just under the surface of everything that yeah. we interact with. There's this this literal river of chemicals that are used to treat and to I don't even know do all of the things that create these products.
0: Yeah, it's like we call it the uh the invisible gorilla problem, right? Where it's just like massive, massive amounts of resources and emissions are coming from sources that people in, in, you know, don't talk about in the news because it's quote unquote boring, right? Like I could tell you right now that like, like the insulation in the wall right behind you is probably made from a petrochemical, but like that's not exactly a sexy story for, for a lot of people to, to follow. But if you look at the impact of the quote unquote invisible gorilla problems, it far outweighs a lot of the consumer-focused problems that we try to solve for on the surface. Not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but like an example is, you know, going to the grocery store instead of using a plastic bag, you use you know your little tote bag. Fine, you know, that's that might do something, but in the scheme of like the problem, that's not really gonna solve that the climate crisis. No, itself. Um, but
2: it's it's not the invisible gorilla today. It's trending all over um, the big. Uh, panel study the big study that came out from the uh uh, ipcc report
1: that was today
2: everybody it's yeah it's trending if if that's in your algorithm if you're you know pay attention to that sort of thing like lex and i do and how you guys do people are talking about it today so when you look at like these uh different industries there are solutions in these industries to help us solve these problems but are we beyond fixing i mean is the chemicals industry I mean, you guys, can you guys really put a dent in the chemicals industry and, and change the way folks approach what products they buy and what they use?
0: You know, I, I think we can. Um, you know, if, if you look at the, the the crux of the chemicals industry is 30 percent of industrial greenhouse gas emissions are coming from the chemicals manufacturing sector. Right. And if you look at the, you know, obviously you guys read it, the IPCC report today if we are able to actually, re- if we just stop our carbon emissions today, we can we can get to a point where we don't overheat the planet. Now I think the range is two and a half to four degrees Celsius. 30% of that could be coming from chemicals manufacturing by itself. If in the next 10 years, soligen can grow like a venture scale business in this space, we might have a fighting chance, Tony, uh, just in terms of sheer volume of CO2 that we can remove. Uh, but the key there is, venture skill growth in, right. in a space that doesn't traditionally it. Now, I mean, have it. Which we're going to definitely
1: talk to you about yeah. because you guys are, you came a long way since the float spot, not to foreshadow too much <laughs> where we are. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but we 30%, that's
1: that, huge. Yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge dent of what this could be made. And so um, I, I, I would want to understand in order to grow in terms of a venture type back company, you need to have a very competitive, uh, advantage. There needs to be right. something that says why is this so much better that it's going to grow a hundred times faster than whatever your typical, I would imagine, chemical company would be, where you're slowly making sales and move into the, you know, edging out competitors and what have you. So, so what is it? How is it that you guys are going to be that much more competitive than what's currently on the market? Sean, this is definitely the part where you want to have a super long pause when you're sitting in the <laughs> yeah. meeting with the VC. <laughs> this is the, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're leaving
2: that in. But we're not editing that pause out. Yeah. All, All deliberate
3: are. pauses, <laughs>
2: yeah. pregnant pauses. pauses. <laughs> we'll go to <into laughs> elevator music as you guys prep.
3: <laughs> Sean, tell us how, man. Yeah. So, so the. The thing here is, I want to I want to ask you guys first. How brave are you in the explanation in terms of diving deep into solution Because I think, I think the answer requires some level of depth in terms of why does what we do fundamentally different.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you plumb the depths, and when we get lost, we
3: will raise a flag. Okay, no, that's great. So I'm lost? <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing is, in in terms of like, why should people buy our stuff? It's really simple we have to have superior price and performance that's that's what's required so you could have a really bad molecule that doesn't perform really great but if you can sell it for a penny a pound you've won in price and performance alternatively you could have the world's greatest molecule that performs 10x better than everything else if it's 100x the price no one's going to buy it mm-hmm. and so soligen you know we've essentially put together this hybrid technology platform that we call chemi manufacturing Um, Another way is cell-free manufacturing. We use enzymes, but not whole cells. And there's all this really cool tech stuff that goes into it, but fundamentally, what it enables us to do is we are able to make molecules cheaper than you can make it from petrochemicals and cheaper than you can make it from fermentation. And so So that's really interesting. Yeah, so we can win on price and performance across the board with this manufacturing platform.
1: That's super interesting because we talked to a lot of people that are on the technology side of this and the deep tech side of it. And one of their biggest issues is that petrochemicals are currently still cheaper. And so they're looking for other market forces to help push their products to be more competitive. But you guys have already undercutting what is currently available. So in terms of the price thing, uh, you know, you could stop right there. But, but yeah. wait, there's more.
0: But wait, there's more. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry.
3: Yeah, so so I mean, for our customers today, I mean, you you spoke a lot about impact, right? And it's like, okay, people can see you know a plastic bag, and that is something meaningful that they can do today to lower their carbon footprint. But to have true global scale impact, we need to break into slow-moving heavy industries. Those are the big carbon emitters. Mm-hmm. And so for so for us, you know, why do people buy our stuff? It always starts with price and performance, and that's what Solugen is here to enable: is that that maximum in price and performance. And then the thing that's really exciting for Gorb and I today in in 2021 that that really didn't exist, even in 2019 or 2018, is that every one of our customers today and our prospective customers that we're working with actively, they all have internal ESG groups now, they all actively report ESG metrics um, every quarter. And so for us, what's been so exciting and this this gets into the sort of rapid scale growth of soligen is that we can go in and, and close like a, what looks like a really small opportunity, like a really small field trial with this one customer. And, you know, for the person on the ground, we can create a meaningful impact to what's called their PL, essentially that, hey, we are we are actually delivering on price and performance. But then when we go and talk to that larger company, which they're always so hard to navigate, we go right to that ESG group and we say, look what we did. And mm-hmm. here's our LCA, like what would the impact of working with Soligen be across your organization? And this creates a lot of excitement because they're looking for ways that how do we you know, maximize our returns for our investors while also achieving our publicly communicated ESG metrics?
1: Right. Let's and take a second and break yeah. down some of those letters just so that we all oh, yeah. know what they mean. So ESG, environmental, uh, sustainable. Oh no, now I've done environmental,
0: it. Social <laughs> yeah. it environmental, you know. social and governance. There it is, environmental,
1: social and governance. So what this is basically saying is that there's a ton of money out there in the world and that money is being directed to think about more things than just shareholder value. And ESG isn't a metric that we can put a number, if you will, to what those things are. And so not only are you guys competitive in terms of we're going to sell you better stuff for cheaper, but the company's overall value is also tied to its impact. And so if they use your product, the perceived value or the market equity value of that company could go up because their ESG score would get better.
0: Precisely. Yeah. and so what's interesting is like it's obviously a very clear value prop and sell to the company but like um what you'll find is like a lot of times bigger companies if you start at just a sustainability side that hey this is something greener whatever it doesn't really move the narrative for them however if you start on like what i would consider like the bare knuckle boots on the ground like hey this is a cheaper product this is a better product and you get buy-in from the operations of these types of organizations that's when the sustainability people start to listen. I hope mm. that that's going to be reversed. I think as, as we're seeing that trend is probably going to be, you know, more 60, 40, 60 operational and 40% ESG. But right now I'd say it's a 70, 30 in the future. I'd like it to be 50, 50, but what we've learned is if you could start here at that, you know, really fundamental, like hardcore supply chain level and win, mm. then these people on the sustainability side start to, to really take, take note
2: so who are the who are the clients that you guys have if you can disclose them that'd be great but who needs to listen to this podcast who are your who are your customer hopefuls who needs to know about SolidGen?
0: yeah you know obviously you got to be careful with the the customer list but i can say there are fortune 500 companies uh some of them fortune uh 200 companies who are heavy industrial uh users of chemicals so uh looking at companies that are purchasing Uh, millions and millions of pounds of chemicals per year those are our customers and the people that need to listen to this really is anyone who is in the supply chain of using a chemical in their operation so like it's you know an industrial company makes total sense but then brands now when we start thinking of like beauty brands right like when you start thinking about your laundry your detergent that has an impact on the chemicals that are sourced and put into that end product and that's where we need to start having these brands listening to the podcast like this to say hey look there are alternatives to these chemicals that go into our products that aren't just going to be controlled by these big industrials there's in fact other things that we could be doing and companies like us uh, that they can be partnering with so
2: so we got to open up our cupboard any any of the products that are in there the companies that own those products they need to know about
0: yeah open up your cupboard or underneath your sink you you know you get your disinfectant cleaner (laughs) <laughs> look on the back of it,
2: you know, <laughs> all those chemicals should be made in a greener way. You know? Right, right, right. So, so yeah, my, sorry, go ahead, Tony. Well, I was gonna ask about venture, but I didn't know if that was what you wanted to jump into at this juncture.
1: Well, I was gonna say that we now have two things that you need for venture capital investing, you have a product, which is better and cheaper than what's out there cost and effective. cost effective, and you have market forces that are providing huge tailwinds for the adoption of your product and we haven't even talked about regulatory issues but hopefully someday that our collective governing bodies will decide that we all shouldn't die and so we'll start regulating products and pushing them towards a better option anyway so those are all those things together now let's let's go into that story and let's start at the beginning why did you guys decide to make chemicals out of corn
0: we we yeah it's a very Bizarre, bizarre story. Um, so I'm actually a physician scientist. I've been studying pancreatic cancer for some time and uh, discovered these series of reactions, enzymatic reactions in cancer cells, but not in healthy normal tissue that makes chemicals and molecules really efficiently. Uh, we started with peroxide. We, we found that in cancer cells, you can make peroxide really, really efficiently. And the fascinating thing was Sean, uh so Sean was at MIT actually doing his PhD in chemical engineering.
1: As studying, you do.
0: Yeah, as you do, just naturally. Typical um, Saturday. You
3: know, right.
1: Typical in, be, in between Saturday. juggling classes, just yeah. take, take <laughs> up an occasional yeah, PhD so class, Sure.
0: South Park juggling and then get a PhD mm-hmm. from MIT. And so the his focus was on the production, industrial production of hydrogen peroxide and other molecules, like at massive industrial scale. So Sean was like the furthest from biotech. Like he was a skeptic. Completely yeah, actually,
3: I, I refer to myself as a recovering biotech skeptic because, like, the Corbin and I, we actually met through my wife, and and my wife was best friends with Gorb in medical school; they were anatomy tech mates. And I met my wife at a summer internship at a pharma company fermenting what are called CHO cells, Chinese hamster ovary cells. Nasty. hamster was- ovary cells. Yeah, I'll, that's a be, first. That's gonna yeah. be
1: such a cool moment at a cocktail party. Like, what do you do? Well, let me. How much do you know about Chinese hamsters? Let's start there. <laughs> and their ovaries. And their ovaries.
3: Every every biologic, every vaccine, they're all made through Chinese hamster ovary cells. That's a fun fact for you guys. Oh man, that Great.
1: little animal's doing so much work and not getting enough credit.
3: Exactly. No, but but the thing is, she was really good at it, and I was terrible. And that's when I decided, no, I don't like biology. And what cemented it was, I was at um. that same pharma company living in singapore actually and we were using enzymes in a process enzymes are these proteins that cells are comprised of and we were paying a hundred thousand dollars a kilogram for these enzymes and so when gorb and i first started talking over this poker game i mean, my initial gut reaction was you're insane like this stuff it'll never be cost effective like you're never going to be able to make you know specialty chemicals or commodity chemicals especially with you know biology uh, and you know, what's wild today is I'm eating my own words because solugen today can manufacture enzymes for ten dollars a kilogram. Interesting. yeah, no Absolutely. one saw that cost curve coming.
2: so he explained this all to you over a poker game, you said?
0: Yeah, we were playing poker, and we it it's it was a poker game full of like a bunch of medical students and me and Sean. Uh, and so naturally, um that's what we talked about. Uh, and so, like, the game just kept going. Actually, the game was over, and Sean and I were just still sitting there talking for like three hours about yeah. They,
3: they like talking about med stuff that I don't understand, but then I finally found someone I could connect with in Gore, where it's like, oh, cool, we can talk about, you know, science and stuff. What a
1: great meet you! just like <laughs> yeah, over, a, meet,
2: over a poker game. But I wonder yeah. if somebody brought that up just to distract you so they can probably, you know, bluff
1: you a lot easier. <laughs>
0: well, maybe I did Who maybe was Sean that? Sean definitely lost that game. Well, <laughs> <sorry>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he wins in life. Yeah, but he won
0: you. in life, yes.
1: What a specific um, distraction to, to, to like slide in <laughs> ovarian hopes yeah. hamsters from China. And like, that's, yeah. the that's the thing that'll get them going. Yeah. So yeah. you had this burger game, you had this idea, you're like, it's never going to happen. It's never going to work. And then what?
0: Then what we said was, let's just try it. Um, so we just set up like literally lab in my kitchen at that time. And we, we just did the experiments, the early like little small batch experiments and we're like, shoot this might actually work and so then we went to mit and mit actually wrote our first check into into uh our our
1: business
3: yeah we did we did the mit it's called the 100k entrepreneurship competition um we didn't win uh but we got the initial ten thousand dollars for the company and uh, i mean i'll say you know what the real turning point for me was you know because yes i started essentially telling Gore that he was insane but as we dug deeper into it as we started doing his experiments um, my background is in something it's called techno economics, uh, I'm very passionate about it, but essentially um, what it is it's this discipline where you build a chemical plant. On paper, you do it all with math you say this is what the chemical plant's look over like. here's all the inputs outputs all the cost accounting and what was wild is when you look at what the enzyme enables you to do and then where we thought the cost curve was going for enzymes and our ability to engineer it. Um, that's when I became convinced that this could be real is that. Like, what if you had a process where, like, if you think about it, it's a black box, right? You got feedstock coming in, you got product coming out. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you could convert your feedstock directly to the product? Whereas right now in in petrochemicals, 50% of your feedstock goes to CO2. In fermentation, 50% of your feedstock goes to CO2. No matter how good your process is, you're losing money paying for more feedstock. And it's really not environmentally advantaged. But like this realization that we could combine enzymes with my background called heterogeneous metal catalysis, you can make a process that actually is carbon neutral or carbon negative in most cases.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So you then penciled this out on paper and you're like, all right, this could actually be the back actually, of the napkin, mat seems we, like it checks out. We do have out.
0: the napkin. We yeah, have the napkin in the front uh, no lobby. Care. No, no
3: joke. Yeah, yeah, we do. We actually do have it framed in, in the front lobby. You yeah.
1: got to send us a picture for that. We'll we put it up oh, on the website Sean, for
3: that yeah. napkin. Remember,
0: Sean, it was at a barbecue joint in Dallas. Rodeo
3: Goat. Yeah, the place is called yeah. Rodeo Goat in Dallas. Rodeo okay, broke,
1: hold on. Yeah. <laughs> so we have Chinese hamster ovaries. I think you just said you were a techno accountant techno
3: and technology. now
1: Rodeo Goat. I'm pretty gear. sure we're at an after-party in Bushwick at this <laughs> point.
3: Like, <laughs> I thought this was a weird convo when I started it by juggling, but then you realize right. it got way weirder. <laughs> it got way weirder.
0: Everything so, just
3: gets weirder,
1: yeah. So when was the first time you made a dollar?
3: How did you take this out of the conceptual range and say, all right, let's see if there's yeah. a business here? That's the magic question. So, yeah, so, so here, you know, for us, I mean, we were trying to answer this question. It looks absurd kind of looking back on it, but we really thought, like, okay, we were gonna do this and this is totally possible. We were like, how do we cash flow our idea with just $10,000? And that actual financial constraint, it forces you to become creative in a way that like, Gorman, I really didn't know we could do this type of thing. Um, But we spent $7,000 building a small PVC reactor out of Home Depot parts. And we got super, super lucky that um, two, what are called float spa owners saw our pitch at the MIT 100K competition. Um, and just a quick aside on float spas—they're giant saltwater hot tubs that are sensory deprivation tanks. Uh, we we know too much about this industry now. There's 400 in the U.S. But uh, what was very fortuitous was these two owners—they were just like ecstatic. I mean, they were like the the people that operate float spas. You can imagine they they're a different type of people. So they were like, "Yes, I want this. If you guys can make it, we'll buy it." And they shared the video to apparently a Facebook group that had all the float spa owners in the U.S. on it. So that was our initial go to market and we could sell peroxide for over $30 a gallon. And so our actually our very first customer was really cool. They were a float spot in Dallas where we started and I delivered the first product from the back of my Subaru and that was the, the first uh, revenue the company ever got.
1: Which is a fantastic origin story, starting with a market that didn't know they needed a solution and then you show up with something that is just this perfect marriage of problem and solution yeah. um now are you still selling things out of the back of your subaru or what's <laughs> no, happening and this no is recently, you are not right? this this all started <laughs> in
3: 2016 20 2017 like, yeah. yeah yeah this was yeah 2016 2017 i mean we yeah. we took that initial reactor and we were cash flowing the business over ten thousand dollars a month and then we pitched it to a startup yeah. accelerator called y combinator and that's oh, really good old yeah, YC, and that's where the company really, really took off from there.
1: And that that's was cool. that was when. Which YC class were you in?
0: Winter, January twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, 2017. and so, okay. From then until now, how have things gone?
0: Oh. yeah. Wow. I yeah, read it really, about it really well um, series B
1: right you guys are up to
0: well we haven't announced yet but we we just closed this see we, we will announce it a little bit later but how uh, about you
2: break the news right now G no, that's <laughs> no, no, okay. gotta... give, let us wet our beak a little <laughs> bit uh, no. is it a but series G... C or an extension of the B just give us that it's a series C it's okay C. good all right um, excellent yeah well, we've been... yeah go ahead Sean
3: yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple interesting stories in here in terms of like kind of Soligen from 2017 up until now, like, you know, one of the things that I think is really cool is that very first product that we were selling into float spas. We now sell that same exact product in tanker truck quantities uh, for produced water treatment. Um, mm-hmm. So this this was like sort of how do we go from float spas to industrial water treatment Well, float spas are salty water where you need both an oxidizer and what's called a scale inhibitor. And so now we're taking that same chemistry and providing it at much larger scales for produced water treatment. Um, you know, I think I think up until twenty nineteen, I loaded and unloaded every truck uh, myself. So I was the shipping and receiving department, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, no, I mean we've we've just been scaling up since then. And I think one of the reasons that we've been able to move so quickly is like we built our first true pilot plant in twenty eighteen. And typically, you know, to go from like first idea to commercial production, I think the record is 15 years, which was uh, DuPont, Tate, and Lyle. They made a molecule called 1-3 propane diol. Solugen is now at a 10,000 ton per year scale. And we did that in effectively four to five years.
2: Dupont.
3: Yeah, we beat DuPont by the I world pre- record. Have, we we, we have, have the world so, record now for scale we, up. We have yeah. Oh good.
2: Record, so. screw That's those yeah. guys.
0: Yeah, screw, oh, we can't say that.
2: No, no,
3: no they, cut, <laughs> I don't know, they, it. they They do some good stuff, yeah. Yeah, um, some good stuff. But the um, but the the reason that I think we're able to move so quickly is, I mean, I kind of bring it all back to like when I do pilot plant tours. Like, if you if you have come common ever visit Solugen and I do a tour, my pilot plant st- tour starts with the story of the pile plant is all the things that you don't see. Because our pilot plant is just three unit operations. There's just three pieces of equipment that enable us to convert feedstock to product because enzymes do the heavy lifting. We spend all of our time engineering the best enzymes, so we don't have to build this giant complex process. I mean, I like to think that all of Soligen is about making my life as a chemical engineer extremely easy quality of life, right? I don't have to design 15 other giant unit operations because our upfront process you know, isn't good or has flaws in it, right? Um, So that's really what enables soligen to scale so quickly is that the enzymes do the heavy lifting, not the process. Mm.
1: To give some, to put some numbers on it in 2019, you raised a $32 million series B round. And so whatever your series C round will be, will be larger than that. So obviously this has gone from $10,000 four or five years, five, six years ago to something that would be valued in the hundreds of millions getting up to that good old billion dollar range, which is tremendous. That's a huge success in a very short period of time, which I think has gotta be indicative of like, you guys figured something out, something that the market needed, the timing was right. There was an ability to bring together unique skill sets and uh, not only solve a problem, but scale it, like you said, in record time.
0: And and I think part of it is also like, when you think about, again, going back to the IPCC, IPCC report, the timing is everything, right? If we did what we did, 10 years ago i don't know how many people would actually care but now it's very very clear like there's no th- there's no question that we're in the red zone right now when it comes to where we are with climate and that every single solution that's out there is worth pursuing it doesn't matter if it's perfect or imperfect it's just a solution that we have to have to fund and have to get to market and so in a sense we got very Unfortunately, lucky, I guess, with, with how rapidly the, the carbon dioxide levels have been moving up and how hot uh, the, the Earth's temperature is starting to get uh, very soon. And so, in a sense, it was like a combination of a bunch of things that allowed that to happen. I don't think this, this company would have been possible even 10 years ago.
1: I think that climate change is going to be the largest catalyst for innovation and out of necessity, right? That's sort of always been the thing that has forced us to think outside of whatever our norms are, whatever the status quo would have us believe, because the consequences of continuing along the way that we have been are increasingly not only dire, but immediate. You know, it's like it, they're, they're tangible, You can see floodwaters coming, you can see fires burning, you can see tornadoes coming in places they never have before, earthquakes shaking parts of the land that before that never saw any earthquakes because we were drilling for shale, like all of these things.
2: This summer especially has been uh, uh, especially nuts. Yeah. Extreme weather occurrences.
0: From like seven years ago, the last IPCC report, there was no specific statement that we can track humans' effect on the climate activities, but in this year's report, there's a very clear yeah. correlation between human activity and the climate uh, catastrophes that we're seeing, which mm-hmm. is like terrifying. Like we're actually putting like a face to to the reason for all these problems, and that face is ours, and that's that's kind of scary.
1: Well, we knew this for quite some time, and yeah. in the scientific community, it's just now they are making it unambiguous. And fortunately, some of the pushback is rightly being discredited um i wonder how do you guys feel about that then does this like you can imagine if you were you could be in lots of businesses right but your your business is also something that is helping to help humanity how does that how does that play into this also being a day job yeah
0: this is like yeah. a hobby for me John. sean like it's just this is way too much fun. Um, I'll be completely
3: on <laughs> with you. Go ahead, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's like it, it's wild that like everything Gorb and I spent our lives working on and developing on, like we're now implementing at scale and it's actually solving a problem. But at the same time, it gives me a lot of anxiety because it's like it's such a dire problem and it just never feels like we're moving fast enough. That we could always be moving faster. That we could always be doing more. Uh, and that like essentially other industries tangential to us and other ideas tangential to us also could be moving faster.
1: Couldn't agree more with that. We we're trying to get in the fight over here as well. And every, everything counts, no matter whether it's big or small, every decision that anyone can make always should not be uh, it matters. All of yes. it matters. So there had to have been moments though, when you were on this journey, where you're like, have I made the biggest mistake? of like i'll
0: I'll tell you the biggest one we so sean and i were sleeping on the floor of a warehouse in um in dallas running this reactor and we had finished our doctorates are you about to turn
1: into a superhero now it's like (laughs) yeah or or homer simpson the only the only guy i know of who slept at a reactor was Homer Simpson.
0: no we literally slept on the floor of this of this little warehouse we 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 jerry-rigged it it's only we only That's the only money we had was was to pay for this space. And I remember coming home one night and my wife, because I had just finished like my doctorate, and she's just like, What the hell are you doing? (laughs) Like, you could go and be like a doctor and make all this money, you know, solving cancer for patients, but like you're here like running a PVC pipe, you know, (laughs) reactor. And and I think like that's the moment it like really crystallized for me. It's like, it's all about like, what's the impact you're going to have? In, in the in the unit time that you're gonna be alive. So Sean and I have this like weird metric where it's like learnings per unit time and impact per unit time, where it's like, I can go see a patient maybe once every hour, but like that impact is limited to, to that one patient, which is important, but it doesn't change the course of, of humanity. But here one hour at Solugin feels like you've solved a hundred different problems in one day.
3: I I tell people I have 20 years experience, even though I've only been at South Agent for five years, because it it feels like I've been here 20 years.
1: What would you say to somebody else who um, is currently pursuing whatever was the structurally next step in their career path, but has this idea like maybe there is something else, maybe there's a way that I could, like you said, increase that ratio of impact per unit time?
0: Yeah, I guess the question you're asking is what if someone was in it deciding right now, whether they should make the jump or I
1: think writ large, if most people that are in their productive years of their career are looking around and being like, like, what's the point, right? And so like, what, what is the purpose of how I'm spending my time? And it's super hard to take a risk, to jump yeah. from something that seems, you know, stable and secure to apply yourselves. And you guys are a tremendous success story. So what would you say to the people that are on the other side of that, that are, you know, thinking about sleeping in a warehouse?
3: Yeah. So I I would do it from the standpoint of kind of two steps. So I, I think the first one is taking a lot of time to convince yourself that you have enough conviction in this idea that, that it could work if you saw it out, like techno economics, right? Like that, like what does the end look like? Starting with that end first, like what is that end state that I think I can build towards and kind of working backwards from it. Once you have that level of conviction that you could do it, there's no better time than now. I mean, I think, I think Solugen getting funding in the late 2010 or like the late 2000s, I think would have been really difficult, but like there's now more capital available to fund these types of ideas and especially at the seed stage, like what do you have to lose? Like yeah, it could not work, but like if you have the conviction and you tried it, like you can at least get that initial funding to see it through.
1: Yeah,
0: I'd say like from an existential level, (laughs) the question is like Well, the other option is to die from carbon, you know, carbon levels rising. (laughs) Like, like, honestly, like I'm terrified that in 20 to 30 years, the world for my daughters are not going to be the same as it was for me. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, well, I may fail during this process. You know, yeah, we've, we've been lucky and and executed well, but it doesn't mean we're going to be hyper successful yet. We still could fail. But the reality is that at least we're like, trying not to die which i think is like a pretty noble pursuit like at the end of the day that was going to
2: be the name of this podcast let's try not, trying to not to die yeah yeah
1: remember lex those early days it's still the early days so. <laughs>
3: oh yeah that's right. Always the early days.
1: <laughs> guys well i think i think that's a great place to to wrap it up um thank you so much for coming on and sharing this story i i i Usually we say to our listeners, go check out the website or what have you, but specifically to our brands, to the people that are making choices about what chemicals to use, take a look at what's on the back of that label. And I imagine in Solugen, there's a way to reach out and sort of email someone on your support team saying, how can I get different advice or how can I change my thing? How should, how should brands contact you?
0: Yeah, it's just info at solugentech.com or hit right. us up go read the, yeah. we'll put
1: that in the show notes too info it's all dot guys thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and and thank you for the work that you're doing it is right. uh, it is very unsung but it is incredibly important so thank you thank you guys thanks so much. sean and g thank you so much thanks guys thanks. thank you it's been a pleasure